What is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Another solid race weekend in central Illinois. Friday's race in Galesburg was postponed due to rain. The race ended up running on Sunday and still had a decent turnout despite running two days late. Several AFT stars turned out, but it was Bronson Bauman taking home the win, with singles rider Oliver Brindley finishing second and Chad Coast rounding out the podium. The same rain came through Peoria, almost postponing the National in Thunder Valley on Saturday. Had it not been for the proactive measures to bring in the heavy machinery from Caterpillar, racing that track would have been almost impossible. No big surprises with the finishing order in either class. It was really cool to see the tributes to Alec Muth. Jesse Janish, with approval from AFT, ran the 196 front number plate throughout the two qualifying sessions and went on to win, carrying the plate on his victory lap with red. Henry Wiles wins his 14th straight Peoria TT. Briar led the first seven laps while Wiles missed a gear off the start, but it wasn't long before he took the lead and never looked back. This victory marks the first time the Indian motorcycle has not been atop the box in 2018. This week's guest is someone I've been looking to talk to for a while. He's a part-time singles rider who has been riding anything and everything with two wheels and an engine. He's the 2017 Super Hooligan Champion and current points leader in the series with three events left in the 2018 season. We caught up with him last week prior to the Moto Bay Classic in San Francisco. Here's Mr. Andy Debrino. Hello? How's it going, man? Andy Debrino, is this you, the one and only, the guy that rides anything on two wheels? Is this you? <laughs> this is the dude right here. Man, you know what? I, I've been following you on social media, and you are all over the place, and I think you're one of the luckiest guys on two wheels right now because not only have you done the X Games, but then you do some American flat track at the Buffalo Chip, make a main event there, and, and then you do some road racing. You've done all kinds of stuff, and that's just in the last three or four weeks, man. What, how, how are you so lucky? Uh, man, I don't know. I'm just fortunate to have a lot of good people behind me and lots of opportunities. Uh, and, uh, you know, just a passion for motorcycle racing that I've had for a long time. And yeah, I just love riding anything I can whenever I can. I gotcha. So let's get in. Let's just dive right into it. Let's get to know Andy Debrino. So where were you born? Portland, Oregon. Okay. What's it like growing up there? Uh, well, it's wet sometimes because we get a lot of rain here, but uh, it's actually pretty beautiful up here, and we got lots of cool tracks around here, and, uh, you know, the rain helps kind of keep those nice. Also spend a few winters, you know, riding indoors because of the rain. You know, it's a beautiful state. I love it here. I've got to travel all over the, the country, and uh, I don't think I'd rather live anywhere else. That's awesome. I've only been there a few times, and Every time I've been through there, everything is so green and so pretty, and they pump the gas for you. I just I couldn't get over that. I, I want to kick somebody's butt when they got out and started, or I got out of my car and somebody's already putting gas in my car. I was like, what the hell's going on? I wasn't used to that. <laughs> so when did you first start riding motorcycles? I got a Yamaha PW50 when I was about three or four years old. I learned how to ride it on uh, my grandmother's airstrip. Actually, the first time I went to a, a track was uh, Albany Motorsports Park, which is about an hour from my house, and uh, learned how to ride my PW with Justin Hill at the time on the little kids' track out there and uh, started racing when I was about five years old. Wow. So your first race was motocross? Yep. I was born into racing motocross. My dad raced motocross. So, yeah, I've been racing motocross now for almost 20 years. Wow. I did not know that. That's awesome. So what's your favorite racing memory as you were growing up as a youngster? That's a tough one. I got a lot of fun memories. I, I guess I'd have to say later on when I kind of transitioned from motocross to supermoto, I started racing with my dad for a little while, just moved up on big bikes, and uh, we were both racing the expert class on our local go-kart track. And uh, I, it was cool racing my dad because for a little while he was quicker than me, but then there was that time where I was getting better and starting to battle with him and, and then start beating him. So I think my favorite, favorite memories growing up as a kid was actually racing supermoto with my dad. That's cool. I, uh, I only got to race against my dad just a couple of times in flat track, but, uh, it's a pretty neat feeling to look over and, and, and know that your dad's right there beside you or on the track with you. Does he still race? He still races a bit. He's, he's getting over a broken tip fib from, racing flat track last winter at salem but uh oh. yeah he rode races as well 
I mean, he pretty much everything I do, he he's done at some point as well. But yeah, he, he's he's recovering right now. But yeah, it's been fun, you know, getting a race with him and go to the races with him for pretty much my entire life. <laughs> There's some some funny stories of us racing. Like one time, he took me out. I was trying to pass him, but I didn't throw it in enough, and he shut the door on me. I crashed, but uh, you know that's just one of the lessons he taught me was if you're gonna put a wheel in, you better, you know, force the pass. <laughs> I love it. That's cool. So does he still travel with you to all the races now? For the most part, yes. You know, luckily he owns his own business and is able to get you know time off work to travel with me. But uh, sometimes, you know, running a business, he's got to stay home. Recently, you know, my entire trip to Sturgis, I did by myself. Uh, I, I had a friend come out and race too, but, uh, I was my mechanic. So, you know, the, the race at the Buffalo chip and at rapid city, all of that, I, uh, was completely by myself. So I was, you know, turning wrenches on my bike, doing my gearing, doing everything and racing at the same time. How hard is that to do, Andy? I know like when I raced most of the time, I, you know, probably 90% of the time, my dad was with me and. And usually there's, you know, somebody else around to at least help you, you know, push start the motorcycle. And I know things are a little bit different now, but, you know, you know, you have to rely on the stopwatch. So you have to go, you know, run back and forth to staging and, and look at the times and know what race you're in and stuff like that. How hard is it to go to a race, you know, whether it be motocross or flat track or supermoto by yourself? It's tough. I mean, you know, for most of the time, you know, I have my dad with me and you know, when we go to the road races, we usually have help and I get to just focus and ride. But, uh, you know, like this last trip, you know, doing it by myself is really tough because, you know, the flat track races, they're, they're such a tight ran program, you know, everything happens so fast and you don't get a lot of time between practice to, to make changes. So, you know, for me, the, the Buffalo chip luckily ran really smooth. I had the right gearing on the beginning and it wasn't too much of a hassle, but when we had that rain delay, I was the first semi up and, uh, they had our bikes kind of impounded in the, uh, the tech area. And I didn't have anybody to, you know, kind of keep an eye on things so I can go check out the track and whatnot. And everyone started kind of putting tire warmers and stuff on their bikes. So I had to run, you know, all the way to the back of the pits, grab a generator, tire warmers, throw it on a backpack and haul it back over to tech so I can get my bike on the warmers and, Meanwhile, I'm, I'm all geared up with a steel shoe on my boot, trying to carry all this stuff and, <laughs> you know, pulling my warmers, you know, checking my pressures and, and, uh, but, you know, then, we, then I go to, uh, the Black Hills half mile and I think I changed my gearing like five or six times about, about killed myself in between sessions, changing gearing. Cause I was, it was so hot and I was all geared up, but, uh, yeah, sure. Makes you appreciate having your dad or whoever it is that helps you at these events. You know, it makes makes life a lot easier. Absolutely, I agree with you 100%. So let's get back to your early days once again. So, what was your number when you first started racing, and wh and why was that? You know, when when I very very first began on the PW, I I think I was number seven, just because who who knows why. But I remember one day showing up to the track, and I had to change my number because there was another kid who had the number seven and you know my dad's like hey what number do you want to pick and i picked number 62 and i don't really know why i picked that number back then i i just thought it was a cool number and i've been running number 62 ever since what was your dad's number what number does he use he's been number 23 for a long time okay typically you know you follow in your in your dad's footsteps but i also know that you guys raced against each other so you couldn't run number 23 so that's pretty cool um what riders did you look up to when you first started racing uh, for sure, you know, my biggest, biggest idol is Travis Pastrana. Uh, I, I met him, you know, and I was very, very young at a, at Washougal. And over the years, I've got to, you know, see him at other places too. But Travis was definitely my, my biggest idol. I mean, I've always admired, you know, what he can do on a motorcycle, but also how you know nice of a human being he is. And, you know, he's a good role model for kids. So everything I've ever tried to do is, you know, try to be like Travis and, uh, you know, I was a big motocross kid and into supercross and stuff. So, you know, James Stewart and Jeremy McGrath, I mean, all those supercross legends for sure. And, uh, Nikki Hayden as well. Uh, I didn't really even get into road racing until 2008. I went to Laguna Seca in 2007 and 
that was my first road race I ever saw. And Nikki Hayden was racing that year. And, uh, so that was definitely, you know, pretty inspiring for me at the age I was, I believe I was 12. Yeah, man, that's really cool. Do you have a nickname? I have a few. I don't think they're, they're not really racing related. I haven't really uh, developed something like that, but people call me DiGiorno cause, uh, <laughs> uh, no, Debrino kind of sounds like DiGiorno, the pizza, yeah. and I, yeah. like, I like pizza, and there's usually some DiGiornos in my motorhome. <laughs> That's perfect. I love it. So what, <laughs> what I what I find fascinating, Andy, is that you raced, you know, more, several different motorcycle series, and what appeals to me, I guess, is you know a lot of people can't transfer between a lot of the different disciplines that you do. I mean, you race motocross, supermoto road racing, flat track, you did some super hooligans, you won a championship last year, and then you did American flat track. Is there anything I'm leaving out? Do you do anything else on two wheels? Uh, last year, I tried landing the, the first backflip on an Alta electric motorcycle. Uh, I, I did try. I did said tried. Let me hear you. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> well, I, I landed it. I, I made this. I wasn't trying to do just any backflip. I, uh, we call them mini flip so when you see a guy like you know my friend jimmy hill for example he's done some of the super hooligan stuff he'll he'll backflip off a jump that's literally like two or three feet tall to flat ground and do this so i built a setup at my house and i learned it on the xr 100 i landed a bunch of flips but yeah nobody had done it yet and i just kind of went for it and uh miscalculated it a bit and did not land it and kind of injured myself a little bit to where i couldn't try it again but uh, I'm actually in the process of renting out my neighbor's property to build a flat track and put in a freestyle uh, setup as well. Wow. And is that, is that going to be right there, right by your house, you said? It's your neighbor? Yeah, right, right next door. My friend has one of those airbag landings, like what Nitro Circus uses and needs a place to put it. So I was like, hey, you can put it, we can make this landing in the infield of the flat track. So the plan is to have a flat track with this airbag landing and, you know, we can learn tricks and stuff onto that. But, but yeah, I kind of ride everything. I just, you know, I just love motorcycles. And I think my background from motocross and supermoto, you know, kind of made me a, a good road racer and a good flat tracker when I got into that later on. Well, it's very hard. You know, I, I went from motocross into flat track and it was very hard because in motocross, you put your foot all the way up there by the front wheel, you know, put, to put weight and stuff on the front tire in flat track, you want it more beside you. So how hard is it to just, you know, jump off a motocross bike and then jump on a flat track bike? I mean, what, what all do you have to think about and what's the biggest challenge for you? You know, for, for me, it's, it's pretty easy to go back and forth. And I think it's just because I had that transition, you know, from supermoto. So, you know, kind of how it started was I, I went, I grew up racing motocross. I got into supermoto and initially the hard part about learning supermoto was, was just the grip, you know, the amount of grip you had and learning to trust the tires and, uh, learning how to slide the bike. And I think slide, you know, backing in a supermoto bike is kind of like backing in a flat track bike. So when I did start flat tracking, uh, the, the first time I ever did it was at a Joe cop school here by my house. And, uh, I took to it pretty quickly. I did it on a supermoto bike with rain tires and it just felt like, just felt like supermotoing on the dirt basically. So fast forward to now when I'm going back and forth between the two, I don't even really think about it. I just hop on the bike and it just feels natural to, you know, have that flat track style, have the, you know, instead of having your foot forward by the front wheel to kind of have it out beside you at an angle, you know, kind of sliding you know with the bike and uh you know maybe maybe the the if i haven't flat tracked in a while the the thing to get used to in the beginning is maybe the uh the front end you know tucking and sliding a bunch because the motocross you don't really you know you don't really slide the front a whole lot Right on. So when, when was that uh, Joe Cop school that you wrote? I mean, when did you start racing flat track? Because, you know, I really didn't know much about you until last year, and you kind of just burst onto the scene. So when was your first flat track race? I believe my first flat track race was the very end of 2013. A friend of mine, 
you know, locally who was road racing a little bit at the time had me come out and try a bike and, uh, I did a practice day at Salem. I dug it. I bought some suspension off of Austin Hummels for, uh, the supermoto bike I had, which was an old carbureted Honda. And, uh, I just signed up for the pro class at Salem and I believe I won my first race. <laughs> wow. Um, so yeah, I kind of, you know, it was just a local race, but, uh, I just did that in the winter times. Cause you know, like I said, we get some crappy winters up here and it's hard to go ride motocross and I can't road race. So originally flat track just started out, you know, the first few years as a, a winter time activity, you know, later on my sponsor CC motorcycles, you know, they were kind of in the hooligan scene when it first began. And I think it was summer of 2016 that, uh, I was riding for icon at the time. And, uh, they had a hooligan bike and there was a race at Castle Rock and they wanted me to come out and try it. That was kind of the first time I did that. So when Super Hooligans kind of came on the scene, I was already, you know, racing hooligans a little bit and, and CC had a bike for me to ride. And yeah, like I said, the, the first few years was just as a wintertime deal. And, and, uh, it wasn't until last year that I, you know, did a, you know, an entire season trying to make something a flat track. Well, let's talk about that first full season on the Super Hooligan. You you won the championship last year. What was that like, and and where all did you have to travel to on that series? That that series was was pretty crazy. You know, unlike you know American Flat Track, when you you show up to every single race, and you know there's a a program, you know a schedule, and even though you know the tracks are a little different, and maybe who's you know, prepping the track or promoting it may be a little different. Like you, there's a lot of consistency between all the races you go to, whereas hooligans, you know, every round was different because we were with a different promoter, you know, for sure the American flat track races were the best for me to show up to because I kind of come from a, you know, the road racing background professionally where, you know, I have that schedule and I, I show up and I know what to expect, but on the flip side of things, you know, there was races where, you have no idea what's going on. They're disorganized. The track is just a pile of, you know, it's just really poor. But uh, at the same time, a lot of the races were a lot of fun. I mean, we, we had some really cool races like the Moda Beach Classic in Huntington Beach. It was just fun, kind of the variety of the races that we kind of got to go to. And and uh, the competition at the beginning of the year was pretty stiff. We had Sammy Halbert come out, and him and I were banging bars at Salem and you know, originally people kind of showed up with bikes that were, you know, somewhat race prepped or maybe street legal. And, uh, you know, I was one of the guys that showed up with the CC bike that was, you know, pretty nicely prepped for racing, but at the same time, street legal and had to pull my kickstand off and pull off the license plate and all that stuff. And then Joe cop kind of came into the series and that's when stuff really elevated. And I started having to get some different parts on the hooligan bike to make it more competitive. And, you know, now it's just turned into a deal where these bikes are purpose-built race bikes. And to the average eye, you might not be able to tell the difference between a hooligan bike and a pro twin. But uh, it was it was a lot of fun, you know, for me starting it out. You know, I could kind of – the competition and everybody, you know, it wasn't so serious to me. You know, I had to practice a whole lot or do a whole lot. But as the year went on and the stakes got higher – had to put in a lot more effort to uh, race against guys like Joe Cop. So the the championship last year came down to the very last event, and you pulled off the championship. Walk us through that day. How special was that? That was a pretty incredible day. Um, I kind of came into the weekend just not really expecting to win it because there was actually uh, it was Joe Cop, Brad Spencer, and myself. We were all separated by seven points, and I was third in the championship. So. I kind of figured it was unlikely to have both Joe and Brad slip up at all. Cause those were really tough guys to beat. Brad was super consistent, pretty much on the podium every race. And Joe was on a winning streak. And, you know, I had led the series for most of the year, but I had to miss a race because of a, a road racing conflict I had and had commitments there. So, you know, I was definitely probably one of the favorites to win it and, had a pretty good lead until I had to miss that race. And, uh, but anyway, I just kind of came into that race. Obviously I'm, I'm, if I'm at the race, I'm there to, to do my best and try to win the entire time. I just had this feeling inside me that it was going to be a good day or I was going to do really well, but I didn't want to get my hopes up because, you know, 
they're, they're, when an Indian FTR 750 is on the line, you know, that's a lot of pressure. And, uh, but the day just went great. My bike was working good. I, I won my heat race. I got second in the dash, you know, when the main started, there was a lot of, you know, there's 13 bikes on this really tiny short track and it was just kind of chaotic, but you know, all the cards kind of fell into my favor and I didn't make the mistakes that day. And yeah, I won it by one point and it was pretty overwhelming for me because, you know, that was something I set out to do at the beginning of the year was to win that championship. But it was tough because I lost my best friend racing earlier that year. And, uh, you know, I was going through a lot emotionally, you know, with the loss of my best friend, but that kind of also, you know, encouraged me to put that effort in because I wanted to, to win for her and, and be strong. But, uh, when I won that, it was just unreal to the emotion that, that came over me and having my, my mom and dad there was pretty special too. Man, what a, what a special day for you. And you won an Indian scout FTR 750, a $50,000 motorcycle. That's, that's pretty damn cool. So where is that motorcycle these days? These days, uh, these days it's in Davis Fisher's pit. I, uh, after I won that motorcycle, um, the plan was, you know, to try to race it in American flat track, but, I wasn't able to, you know, get my twins license because I hadn't raced in the American flat track pro class before. I had no experience in the seamless class. And a lot of people thought I was qualified, you know, because of my background with professional road racing and the background I've had racing 450 singles at, you know, a, a local level with, you know, Brad Baker, guys like that. But, uh, you know, by the rule book, I wasn't qualified and uh, I was okay kind of going the singles route i kind of wanted to do that anyway but yeah i sold it to davis you know he was looking for a bike and and uh i i didn't know if i was going to get to race the indian or not this year and i would have kept it if i would have known i was getting invited to x games but you know for me a 24 year old kid and sitting on a bike that expensive it's a good chunk of money i could use to to go racing or to do other things in my life so you know i don't really get too attached to motorcycles so i was like eh I'll just, I'll get rid of this thing now and put the money elsewhere and help out Davis at the same time. Wow. That's pretty cool. I didn't know where, where the motorcycle was. I, I knew that you'd help Davis Fisher out a little bit. I think he rode that bike at Calistoga for sure. It's the first time I was familiar with him riding it. You're currently leading the points in the, in the super hooligans again. I think there's just a few races left. So what's it going to take to be a, you know, a back-to-back champion? It's going to take some more consistency. I would, I would think, you know, this, this championship, it's uh, the best nine out of 11 rounds, so you get a couple throwouts. But, you know, you, you just don't really know what to expect, what to expect with the series sometimes because last year they made the final round a double points event at the last minute, and uh, that definitely threw a kink in, uh, in the thing, you know, made it, made it kind of more wide open for a few guys to win the championship like myself. So I'm, I'm just treating every race like it's, like everything's on the line kind of, you know, fortunately I've won three of the six rounds and the other three have been second and got two thirds. So, you know, I'm definitely setting myself up in a good position and, and I've been putting in the work, you know, I've been, you know, trying to practice as much as I can and trying to test and all, all this stuff that, you know, people would think you do to race hooligans, but it's pretty incredible. The level of competition that, that is out there. I mean, a lot of, I hear a lot of AFT guys, say how they should race hooligans and how easy it must be to win or you know they just mm. think that mm. they could just jump in it and be competitive but you know i honestly believe that hooligan racing is it's a lot different than you know racing the aft twin or racing the aft single i mean honestly the bikes are hard to ride i hop on an indian and the thing feels easy comparatively so i think it's just going to take you know a few more good races for me to try to win this thing again and we'll see if they you know, making the rounds double points or do anything crazy, but uh, there's five rounds left, and I need three more good finishes to try to lock this up. If you win the championship, do you get another Indian? They are giving out an Indian, and they haven't they haven't said what bike it's going to be, and I I pretty much know it's not going to be an FTR 750, but I do believe it's going to be an FTR 1200, and it's going to be oh, all by roll. Yeah, it's gonna be all customized Dude. by Rolling Sands. So, when you when you want to sell that one, you better give me a call because that those things look sick. 
Yeah, if if I can win the series again this year, I, I don't think I'm going to want to sell that bike. I've been wanting a street tracker for a long time, and uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I want to sell that bad boy. But uh, <laughs> that's all right. Yeah, it, Super Hooligans is a it, it's a very exciting series. Those guys do an awesome job, and the series has been even better this year. And you know what, Roland and Cameron Brewer and Dan Hartloff and the entire RSD crew, what they've been able to do. Uh, with lining up these races and the the prizes and the money that they put out, it's it's pretty sweet. And uh, you know, it, it you know winning the championship last year was super special for me because I haven't won a national championship before. And definitely the hooligan thing has given me a place to make a name for myself and shine. You know, I've always dreamt of being a champion of some sort. And if you ask anybody who knows me. Uh, they would say I've been a hooligan my entire life, whether it's just, <laughs> you know, screwing off at the road races on my pit bike, doing wheelies in the pits or whatever it may be. So I think fast forward to now, I think it's kind of perfect that I'm I'm the hooligan champion because I feel like in general, I'm just kind of a goofball and kind of silly. So, yeah, it's cool to 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 be somewhere and be the guy, you know. And you're you're the number one hooligan at least for this year, and maybe you know, or you know, maybe again in 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 the 2018 season. That's pretty cool. Your last month and a half has been pretty amazing, actually. So let's back up a little bit and talk about. You were invited to the X Games, and I was lucky enough to be invited back to announce the X Games. And and man, you kept getting some really good hole shots. So talk about the whole X Game experience. First of all, how cool was it to get the call? Second, walk us through that day. Yeah, yeah, X Game was pretty sweet i mean i've been an x games fan forever and uh seeing flat track come out there the last few years has been neat to see and yeah i think that i honestly think that you know the hooligan thing is why i got invited out to race against you know the best guys in the world at x games and uh you know like i said i sold the indian so when i got invited you know that was about a month after i sold the bike so i was like shoot you know i just had the bike to race but, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, I have a, a good friend locally who has an Indian FCR 750 and uh, was able to borrow that. But, uh, you know, I, I didn't really get to prepare for X Games. You know, I borrowed the bike and rode it for about 10 minutes at Castle Rock one day. Just with my schedule and, you know, other stuff going on in my life, I wasn't able to do more than just practice that one day. And honestly, we don't really have any tracks where I live around here. So, it's such a hassle to even get to a place to practice. It's almost impossible, but uh, yeah, I showed up there with a, a bone stock FTR 750 and just me and my dad. And we don't really know a lot about flat track and we definitely don't know a lot about FTR 750s and we had no parts, but you know, we, we talked around the pits, kind of had an idea of what to run for gearing and practice went awesome. You know, the track was kind of small, so it was kind of like the hooligan tracks I go to and, felt great in practice we had that practice start and definitely my motocross experience with the starting gate you know kind of came in and i was a little surprised to you know whole shot and you know everybody pretty much just raced the checkers and that kind of pulled a little gap and you know won my practice per se but uh qualifying went good you know i i didn't really know what to expect going up against you know the top pro twins guys i qualified 13th out of 25 guys so i, I was like sweet you know i'm I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm feeling pretty competitive and the bike was working pretty good, but, uh, come heat races, you know, they ran those hooligans out there for about an hour. And, you know, this is kind of where my lack of experience came into play because, you know, I didn't realize that they were drying the track out. So when I showed up for the heat race, the bike setup I had wasn't that great. And it was a stock bike. We, we set the sag and stuff, but I mean, whatever the bike comes with on the Olin shocks for a spring and forks, all that, we were just running it and, uh, definitely, definitely struggled a bit in the drier conditions, but, uh, it was a good learning experience. It was cool to, to kind of get the jump and the whole shot on me's there for a second. I mean, I definitely got going. I was like, Oh crap, man, Mies is coming. <laughs> like, I know, I know he's coming. He's on the inside of me and, I came in a little hot and he, you know, they were able to get by me. And then, uh, I think he kicked a hay bale out like in turn three and that caused a bunch of commotion for everybody else. And I was kind of involved in that, but, uh, yeah, that first half of the heat race, I was actually feeling pretty racy. I passed Henry Wiles and I was running fourth and 
felt like I had the pace to kind of close back up on third, but I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden I just, it was like, I forgot how to ride the bike. The front was tucked in and yeah, I don't know what happened. The bike just got really loose and it was tough for me to, to finish it out. But, uh, yeah, I learned, learned a lot. You know, I learned that up for one, I was running too much tire pressure and, uh, my gearing was too tall. You know, I, I heard everybody else just hit the limiter really early and I I never even touched the limiter, but, you know, looking back at it, it was a super great learning experience, you know, getting to go out and race those guys and, and, uh, definitely some good takeaways for, you know, learning how to set the bike up and predict, you know, how the track's going to change and what changes to make to your bike when the track does change. And that's, that's some good stuff right there. And, you know, the track did change a lot. You know, they built it overnight. They had it saturated. There was standing water on it when I got there in the morning. And then they throw you guys out there. So it was still really tacky. And then by the time we got out there for the races, you know, the sun was beating through the window. So the, yeah, it dried up really quick. And I think I pointed out a couple of times on the broadcast that it looked like, you know, their tires were almost flat. So they must have been running just like, you know, eight pounds of pressure or something like that. So I think, you know, trying to get traction was the biggest thing for everybody. So, man, I my hat's off to you for even, you know, getting the invite to go to X Games and then, you know, showing up and getting some some good starts and some hole shots. I, I was proud of you. Uh, you looked really good. Not only did you do that recently, but you also ran an outdoor national motocross at Washougal. So walk us through that day. What class did you get to run and how did you end up that day? Yeah, so after getting getting back from X Games, literally like a day later was the Washington Full Motocross National, and they had a, a 125 All-Star class there, which is actually ran, I think that class is running at about half of the Nationals on the, on the circuit this year. But basically, it's open to any pro or B-level rider. And on Friday, they had two qualifiers of about 35 riders, so about 70 entries total, and out of both heat races, they took the top 18. So they took 36 and then there's four invited riders. So basically the main event, 40 rider gate. So I showed up, I didn't even practice. I just took out my bike out of storage, loaded up and went, made it in time for the heat race, qualified. And, uh, and then Saturday during the national, I got to line up with Ryan Bill photo, Mike Brown, Will Hahn, and, uh, David Tingree, a bunch of legends. And, uh, I got 23rd, so I was pretty excited about that. And, you know, getting the race on the same day with, you know, the 250 and 450, you know, classes, that was pretty sweet. And that, that sounds really cool. And those are some legends you got to line up on the starting gate with. So, man, congratulations on that deal. Uh, you talked about the Buffalo chip a little bit, but I want to go into a little bit more detail. You said you did it on your own, but I just want to say congratulations on making your first AFT singles main event at a Grand National. And that day had to be really cool and really special to you. I mean, we're racing, you know, inches apart from from the fans. So did you enjoy that whole day? I mean, I know there's a lot of a lot of it going on because you're by yourself and then the rain delay, but did you enjoy that day? Yeah, I, I definitely did. Uh, there was a little bit of pressure just because I kind of felt like that was my last my last shot to make a main this year, just because my my hooligan schedule, my road racing schedule, you know the the Buffalo Chip and then the Rapid City race was kind of the last two races of the AFT stuff I'd get to do this year. And TTs are definitely my thing coming from motocross and road racing. And uh, I was so close to making the main event at Daytona. You know, I had the spot, but made the mistake the last lap and gave it away to Stallings. But uh, uh, it was an enjoyable day, pretty much from the moment I, I rode on the track. And, you know, the bike was good. I, I was I was happy. You know, chipped away at it all day. You know, my qualifying time wasn't anything to brag about. I think I was around 20th. But wherever I started in my heat race and in the semi, I, I improved from there. And I was definitely stressing out a bit when we had that rain delay because, I definitely felt like it was my night to make the main event and I knew it, I knew I had it in me, but I was just getting anxious because I wasn't sure if I was going to, you know, get that opportunity to do it that night. And I certainly didn't want to wait till the next day or, or until whenever they postponed it. But, uh, after that rain came down, the track was super tacky, a little greasy, but predictable. And it reminds me of Salem, you know, my local track in the wintertime when, when they first prep it, we first go out for practice. And as soon as they sent us out to, to feel the track out, it felt just like my home track. And I, I was stoked. And, uh, 
started ninth in the semi, so I was right there on the bubble. I knew I had to get a good start and be aggressive and, you know, avoid any carnage that may have ensued. And I was able to, uh, you know, make some passes on, on uh, I believe I had to get by Oliver Brindley and I had to make a pass on Ryan Wells. And, you know, I was just a mad rush of adrenaline going through me because those are guys that I haven't really got to race with before. And they've certainly smoked me at the other races I've gone to. So that was kind of cool to pass those guys. And uh, at the end of the race, I actually caught Dan Bromley. And uh, so that was pretty cool. I definitely had a lot of confidence going in the main event after that. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, you know, Ryan Wells and, you know, former champion Dan Bromley is our current points leader, and you're keeping up with them as a part-time AFT singles rider. So that's pretty impressive. I also want to point out, man, how sick your kit looked, man. Those leathers were awesome. I like the new leathers, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm pumped on those two-piece leathers. Uh, NJK busted those out for me, and they branded them with Fox for me. And, uh, yeah, the, the leathers and the, the bike setup, definitely couldn't be any more stoked on how that all looked and uh yeah definitely if you can't go fast you got to look fast that's always been my thing so <laughs> but look fortunately for me i was i was also going fast that night and uh, uh the main event was pretty sweet I, I think i was up in sixth for almost the whole lap uh i was definitely up there running running strong and had a top 10 in me but I don't think I uh, breathed the entire race. I was just probably gripping too hard and not really relaxing. And towards the end, the blood was in the water and, and Wells and a few other guys capitalized on that. And I ended up finishing 12th in the main event, but I was just so stoked to make the main. I, I put a, invested a lot of my own money and time to, to come out to those races because I've wanted to do that. And it's fun for me and, and it's been a challenge. So uh, yeah, I was, I was happy to, to finally get in that main event, you know, I know I belong in that, you know, in that group of guys, you know, in the main events, it's just, you know, it's tough. It's tough showing up if you don't, you know, for one, don't have the experience on your side and you don't have the support on your side. And, but, you know, one thing I do have that, you know, maybe a lot of other rider, riders don't have as much is just the passion for it. So yeah, I'm thankful to get in that main event and uh, have some fun. Well, that's cool. So I don't know if you even thought about this yet, but Bromley's leading the points and he's number 62. So if he leaves the singles class, the 62 will be open. But if he wins the championship and stays in the class, then he'll be running number one. So then maybe next year you can be number 62. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that works. If, uh, if they save his number, um, even if he does take the number one, but, uh, yeah, but even before, you know, I started racing with Bromley this year, I think, we've been mutual Instagram followers of each other, probably because we both got the same number. So there's some, some interest there, but, uh, you know, I, I don't really know him too well. Or I don't think I really talked to him too much, but you know, from what I can tell, he seems like a, a good dude and I like him. And, uh, you know, if he runs the number, that's cool. I'll, I'll just have to find another number or do something else. But, uh, yeah, 62 is what I ran for a long time. So yeah, hopefully I can get that someday. Right on. So before we move completely away from racing, I know that's what we're talking about, but I want to talk about your road racing too. This last weekend, you went down to Sonoma in the stock 1000 class and finished fourth just off the box, man. I mean, that's pretty impressive. I mean, we've been talking that you've been doing all this different racing and, and all in this, in such a short span of time. So congratulations on your fourth place finish. Walk us through last weekend a little bit. Yeah. Last weekend was a lot of fun. We went to Sonoma raceway, which is a, a track I've, I've club raced a lot with, um, with the Californian series over the years and, uh, had to dust the old road race leathers off. It's been since June since I rode. Yeah. I, I didn't really feel like I missed anything. I was second in first practice and I qualified third in the race. I was running second for most of it. And, uh, towards the end of four rider battle kind of broke out for that second place spot. And that was pretty racy. You know, I got passed a few times and was passing back pretty quick that track Sonoma, it's so physical. I actually started getting arm pump at the end and it got so bad that I couldn't even touch the front brake or I couldn't even pull the front brake lever in, but, uh, I was still right there in the battle. Uh, there was a red flag cause a rider crashed a few laps ago. And, uh, when they reverted back a lap, I was in fourth place at that time. So yeah, just 
just missed out on the box, but uh, still a good week in racing, and it was a pretty cool battle. If anyone wants to check that out, they can go to you know Moto America's Facebook and rewatch that. But uh, yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It's been a pretty crazy last few weeks. I mean, typically if I have a weekend off, like I still try to go find a race to do, or I try to go ride somewhere locally. So um, I don't really know what it's like to relax. I just you know, my life is constantly, you know, loading up the van, going to the track, coming home, unloading, and then, you know, washing bikes and then just loading them back up and going again. So it's been a lot of fun. You know, I'm I'm home right now for a few days and then I go down to San Francisco for another hooligan race. So there's really no end in sight till end of October. Dude, that's refreshing to hear, though. I mean, so many of the riders, you know, only run the nationals or only run a handful of races. But to hear somebody like you that's racing anything and everything they can reminds me of the old days. So my hat's off to you. Before we leave the road racing behind, you're also the first person to ever turn a minute five lap at Portland International Raceway on a motorcycle. How how special is that to you? Yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, Portland International Raceway is my, my home track. It's about 25 minutes from my house. So where I grew up racing motocross and, uh, you know, they have a really sweet motocross track in the infield that runs there every Thursday night. So some weekends I'll go race Thursday night motocross and then be at the road race track Friday through Sunday. Yeah. The track record used to be like a one of 6.3 and that record stood for years. And, uh, back in 2014, I was the first person to, to break that record and get into the minute five range. So yeah, that, that was, that was pretty cool, you know? to do that at my local track i mean we get lots of you know really good moto america guys and ama pro guys that come out and ride the track but uh yeah that's definitely one of my my biggest accomplishments for sure yeah definitely a feather in a cap that they can't take away from you so what's an ultimate goal or an achievement for andy debrino well you know it, it's it's hard to say because with everything i do i, I would say like a, a good short-term goal is definitely to win the super hooligans championship this year but uh being kind of a multifaceted rider it's it's tough sometimes to you know try to be the best at one thing because when you want to be the best at one single thing you pretty much got to devote your whole life to that and right right now i'm so spread across the board between motocross flat track and uh road racing and supermoto maybe here and there or just other projects i want to do so you know i'm just kind of taking it a year year at a time you know I don't, I don't really know what i'm going to do next year you know what opportunities i may have but uh you know i, I think my long-term goal is just to call motorcycle racing a job and make enough money to support myself and you know chase the dreams i have in the motorcycle industry i think that's that's the goal you know i think anybody's just stoked and blessed to, to ride a motorcycle and if they can make a dollar doing it then that's pretty sweet yeah, man, I love that answer. Um, do you think you'll ever have a uh, you ever try to race a full season with you know AFT American Flat Track? You know, I, I think it's a good possibility. You know, I definitely want to be a, you know an AMA champion of some sort someday, whether it's racing Moto America or or doing American Flat Track. I think that if I can win the Super Hooligan Championship again this year, uh, it might be kind of hard to to go away from that because I've definitely set myself up in a good position with some great companies um, racing that series. So, you know, it might be kind of hard to go away from that if, you know, the opportunity is good there. But at the same time, for me personally, you know, like I said, I'd like to win the hooligan championship again and, and stay involved in that series a bit. But I'd also like to try something new and, and go after that full time. And American Flat Track is definitely one of the, the two things I'm looking at. You know, I would say there's a good chance that, if I if I could get some support that I would race an entire AFT season. But realistically I don't think I think I have a ways to go and, and some things to learn. You know, I think realistically if I wanted to try to win a American Flat Track championship, that would be a two year deal. You know, fortunately I was able to go out and get some experience this year and pretty much just racing a bone stock bike. So, you know, I wasn't particularly competitive on the, the half mile and the miles, but with equipment I had, I think I did pretty good and I learned a lot and with the right people behind me and some, you know, more dedication and more, you know, more preparation for those, those races, I think I could do pretty good. Got to race a lot of those guys at local tracks, 
and, you know, other events and I've beat a lot of those guys. So yeah, I, I definitely think that AFT is something I'd look at doing full-time next year as well as maybe road racing again with Moto America. It's, we'll just have to see how this year goes and, you know, what opportunities present themselves. So we talked about other riders that you look up to. Who are some of the current riders that you follow and cheer for right now? Oh man, there's probably a lot of them. Um, that's, that's tough. I mean, I, I've always, I definitely always cheered Brad Baker on and, you know, he, the first time I rode flat track at Salem, Brad was there and, uh, he was super encouraging to me and, uh, he's always been someone I've cheered on as well as Davis Fisher Davis. I've got to race with, race with a lot locally. And, uh, you know, that kid's just the raw talent he has is pretty incredible to watch. So I definitely cheer him on. And, you know, fortunately a lot of the guys I get to, to cheer on, or I, I get to call my friends as well. I'd have to say in the, some other guys in the twins class I cheer for Sammy Halbert and Jeffrey Carver and my friend Tanner Dean in the singles class. Um, those are kind of, you know, there, there's a lot more people out there that I like to cheer on them. I like to cheer everybody on. <laughs> Everyone's been pretty cool to me this year. And, uh, you know, outside of that, I'm definitely a pretty big Ken Roxon fan for motocross. Um, and, uh, par- partially with my ties with Fox. Um, I'd have to say I like him a lot more because of that, but, uh, um, I like Jason Anderson, you know, I don't, for a road racer, I don't really watch MotoGP, uh, you know, kind of road watching road racing to me is kind of boring. Sometimes it's funny because I race it, but I don't even watch MotoGP. I'll, I'll only watch it if something crazy between Rossi happens, you know, with, whether it's with Marquez or, or anybody, but, uh, honestly, the only race I really watch is Supercross and uh american flat track other anything else i can't even my intention span's too short to watch <laughs> i totally get it man i can't i can't watch a road race to save my life i mean if i'm not up there i i am i'm not watching it for sure so uh we're at the the part of the episode now where it's time time for graham's question and graham if you don't know that's my grandma and it's kathy dubler and she's a fan of yours and and she's been following you since she's been hearing about you racing flat track these last couple of years. So she said, I'm sure everyone's favorite question to ask is which style of racing you prefer. So we'll save you from the, having to answer that one. She's just curious, though. Do you have plans to always race all the series all the time? Or are you riding everything to learn skills for one particular discipline? You know, I definitely just like to ride everything I can all the time. But, uh, you know, if I could go back in time and I had to be forced to pick one thing it would definitely be motocross there's just nothing nothing like lining up on a gate with 40 other riders and fighting for that whole shot that's the ultimate rush to me but uh yeah i I just i love riding anything i can all the time and if i ever got an opportunity to chase you know a championship in aft or something else with a lot of the support i would definitely take that up but you know, I'm not complaining about riding all these different types of bikes on all these different types of disciplines. It's, it's a lot of fun, and I'm very fortunate I get to do it. Absolutely. So now it's time for our episode. Where it's time for the rapid-fire questions. So I'll ask you a question. You tell me the first thing that pops to your head. Are you ready? Yep. What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Favorite bike I've ever ridden? Probably a Husky 701 Enduro. That thing wheelies like an animal. All right. That's the first time we've heard that answer. What's your favorite racetrack? Favorite racetrack, Laguna Seca. Okay. What's your favorite trophy that you've won and why? Probably the Indian FTR 750. <laughs> that, <laughs> thing, that thing was sweet, and I sold that and bought a truck. So there that you was go. cool. Hell yeah. So uh, who is your toughest competition in the Super Hooligan class? Oh, man. Joe, Joe Cop for sure. That guy you know, we push each other a lot and it's just an honor to get to race against a grand national champion like him. And, uh, we're kind of teammates too, cause we both ride for the same dealership. But yeah, that guy's, that, that, that guy's tough. He's smart. You know, it's, I definitely watch what he's doing and try to do the same. Right on. If American flat track added a grand national up there in the Pacific Northwest, what track would you like it to be at? I would like to, I'd like to see it at Castle Rock. I've heard so many stories about how cool it used to be there. And I think Castle Rock needs a bit of work to, to host another national, but it's got all the history in the world and everything's right there. I just think it's going to take somebody to, 
put a little effort in the thing and i think it'd be awesome dude i think it'd be great to have a double header there do the short track the first night and the tt the second night or the other way around man just to have two nationals though you know back to back it'd be really fun for sure right on so we definitely appreciate your time and we're at the end of the episode now and so here's your chance to say thanks to anybody that you would like to oh boy there, there's a long list uh i'd have to say thanks to uh george latest and latest motors harley davidson for put me together a good hooligan bike for the year um thanks to you know my mom and dad for all the support that they give me uh thanks to rockstar energy and husqvarna and fox racing and, and cc motorcycles and uh oregon motorcycle attorney and riders law k-tech maximo racing oils super light sprockets asb inventions deval racing oh man there's there's so many sponsors <laughs> trying to remember but uh, and just thanks to uh, you know everybody who, who follows me and cheers me on and pays attention to what I do, I appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all these amazing you know race series that run flat track races, like obviously American Flat Track. You know I got to thank you know the the people there who have kind of helped helped show me a little bit around the paddock this year and have been really friendly. And you know thank you Scotty for for having me on and making me feel important and. Uh, and to, to Carter and everybody else in the paddock, that's been awesome to me. And big thanks to the Super Hooligan guys too, as well. You know, like I said, if it weren't for that series, a lot of people wouldn't know who I am. So I definitely owe those guys a lot of credit for, you know, giving me a place to make a name for myself. Dude, we appreciate you coming on. It's Andy Debrino, number 162 in the AFT singles class. Follow him on social media, man. He's got some really great content. Andy, thanks a lot and good luck this weekend. Thank you. Andy actually went on to win last weekend's event out there in San Francisco. What a way to top off a crazy month of racing. Thanks to Andy for his time, and as always, thanks to you for listening. Smash that like button, give us a follow on Facebook, and tell everyone and their mother what we're up to. <laughs> Off this weekend, but headed to Milwaukee in a few days for another Flat Out Friday to celebrate 115 years of Harley-Davidson motorcycle. From there, I'll head down to Springfield for a doubleheader on Labor Day weekend. We'll preview the short track and mile event next week. Talk to you next Friday.